Brent Stafford and welcome to a special edition of Reg Watch. And joining me today is Maria Papayawanu Duick. Come on, Brent, you can't say that. From Rights for Vapors. Hi, Maria. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Very good. Thank you so much for joining us for our Last Stand Canada coverage. And uh, you know, it's a pretty big deal. Things are not looking so good for the industry right now. Um, I think you're under under positioning that for lack I have no idea how to explain it but no on paper things don't look good on paper we're looking at the fight of our lives a flavor ban I mean let's take away that it will destroy businesses it will destroy humans it will take away um, access to one of the best inventions of this the last century sorry no this century it was invented in this century um and all because of fear, all because of money, and all because of the continued marginalization of the people who smoke in this country. And it is absolutely disgusting. We have a fight on our hands and we need everyone to speak up. We need everyone to have that courage and know that their voice matters. And we're gonna do whatever it takes. Well, and that's great. And we're gonna hear a lot of that raw, raw tonight, I hope, in midst of all of the bleak conversation we're gonna have. We, today is a special episode. As I said, we have Luke Marshall on for a tape segment. He's a vape shop owner in Ontario. And we have joining us live, which you're only going to see one at a time, is uh, David Levesque <laughs> from Digital Smoke Supplies. Hi, David. Hi, guys. Hi, David. And we have Shy Beckman from Dash Vape. Shy. How's it going, guys? Pleasure to be hey, on with Shai. you. Good to have you on, too. So we really wanted to host a conversation here around flavor ban, around nicotine caps, around what Health Canada is doing for years now. We've been covering this story, obviously, and we've always framed this larger kind of a war on vaping. Often that's been, you know, the nonprofit groups we've been discussing, always it's Bloomberg. But I think now it's very clear that Health Canada is executing its own war on vaping, and it's time to start to put that moniker on what the health regulator here in Canada is doing. Maria? Okay. Absolutely. Again, you're like too soft. Let's be honest. Health Canada has waged a war on Canadians. It has not waged a war on vaping. It's waged a war on human beings. We need to put a face on who they are affecting. Because when they refer to it as vaping, and if you read in the regulatory impact analysis statement, they said, yeah, businesses are gonna lose some money, but don't worry, they're gonna pick it up in cigarette sales. So obviously, but they didn't say that, yeah, Canadians might end up, you know, reverting back to all the health benefits that they've felt since vaping. So, but that's okay, they'll die quicker. That's pretty much what they said. So I think really what we need to do is re stop referring to this as a war on vaping. It's a war on people who choose vaping because it's the people that Health Canada has waged a war on. It's human beings, it's Canadians, and it's their ability to access a product that they helps them stay smoke free. There we go. Sorry, got upset, but you know me. 
Well, no, that's okay. And Shai, why don't we start off with you there on our Zoom uh, panel. What do you think? Is it too strong to say that Health Canada is executing a war on vaping? I don't think so. I think they're uh, misinformed. They're undereducated on the subject. And they're introducing regulations and in legislation that is frankly irresponsible. It's, it's not thought out. It's rushed. It's obviously being puppeted by somebody above uh, them. So they're just following what somebody else is telling them. And it, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's a war against Canadians who choose vaping. And um, how about you, David? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, war is definitely not a, a, a too soft of a word for it. Uh, you know, we're taking away the rights for people to choose a, a less harmful, 95% less harmful product uh, to deal with their nicotine addiction. Uh, it is uh, ludicrous, ludicrous that uh, we're going down this road in, in Canada. I have a, an employee here from Iran uh, <laughs> coming from Iran, he still can't believe it. You mean that it's actually a bit more draconian here in Canada? Yeah, pretty much. And his perspective, he's like, this is, am I really in Canada? This, this is how they're treating people that are trying to uh, quit their nicotine habit? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So let's just walk through um, how we got here. And Health Canada, both in the flavor ban, uh, you know, regulatory proposal and also with the nicotine cap outlines that starting back in 2015 with the HESA committee and the HESA, HESA, HESA is really the key thing here. And so starting from that, which is now six years ago, the government of Canada was taking steps all the way through its process for years, evaluating the efficacy of these products, whether or not they're safe to have them legal in Canada. And then, of course, the, the federal liberal government, you know, table legislation, albeit from the Senate. So maybe that's the problem for for Mr. Trudeau. But the fact of the matter is, is that the government tabled this legislation working with Health Canada and they passed it and made vaping legal. And that was just three years ago. And I just can't help but be stung by that, that that it seems that like Health Canada never made it legal in the first place. I think. Oh my God, I have so many words on this. I think we've gone through, we're on our third tobacco control head. Um, we're back to Sonia Johnson, but we had, didn't we have two more? We had James and that other lady. I forget Susie McDonald. And Susie McDonald. We started with Susie McDonald. Sonia Johnson was second. So these are all people that are at the head. They're the people that pretty much take the brunt of what the health minister says and here's your directive and go. Um, we've gone through three in three years, in four years. Um, I, I, I think they've just given up. Given up. I right. think they've given up. I think there are people in Health Canada that want to fight for people for harm reduction, but I think the people that want these laws to pass and want and I don't think they want us to go back to smoking. Like, I don't want to say that, but I think they want to exert their power and say, continue with the quit our way or else. And the or else is death. So I do believe somewhere in their moral positioning, and which is wrong because they are people, they are public, like they're working for the government. 
They're private citizens working as regulators and policy advisors that they've just, there's too many people at near the top in middle management and higher up that just don't want people to quit smoking. They haven't, they're very old school, old guard. We're talking about the last half of them, um, you know, 1980s tobacco control. And they don't like the concept of something is working that they haven't created. Something is working that the traditional way doesn't work. What, what has happened? Smokers have found a way to quit smoking on their own. And we don't like that. And so what are we going to do? Quit our weight and die. We found an opportunity. We found a valley. Let's jump on it. That's the way I see it. So let's, uh, let me just walk through the audience here. Some key points about the industry. Now, I didn't have time to put this into a fancy uh, slate. So we're just going to do it off of my Word document here. But of course, <clears throat> excuse me, when Bill S5 was first tabled, its, its main purpose, it was an act to regulate the manufacture, sale, labeling, and promotion of tobacco products and vaping products. That's key. Pull in the manufacture, sale, labeling, and promotion of vaping products and bring them into the you know, legal market. The economic cost associated with tobacco use in Canada is estimated at $12.3 billion annually. That is a huge massive number the cost to canada and canadians in dollars for all the suffering disease and death of smoking in 2016 domestic vaping substances so just the e-liquid market and all of this stuff is from health canada's uh regulatory statement on nicotine concentrations which came out in december of last year so in 2016 domestic vaping substances the e-liquid market was valued at over 250 million dollars a lot of money but by 2015, including the hardware, it's $1.36 billion. It's a massive market in Canada. There are 200 vaping liquid manufacturers in Canada. 15 to 20 of them are large distributors. 80 to 90, 85 to 95% of vaping liquid sold in Canada is manufactured in Canada. So this is you know Canadian product produced by Canadians for Canadians. There are three main categories of stores where vaping products are sold. You have your vape stores, your gas and convenience, and online. And in terms of where vaping products are purchased by Canadians, 49% of vaping products are produced in vape stores, are sold in vape stores. 30% in gas and convenience, and 21% in online. And there are 1,400 vape stores in the country. There's 27,240 gas and convenience stores. And there are 1,500 online vape retailers. So... The largest part of this market is an adult market that we know that, and it's also in vape stores. So David, you service a lot of, of this business, right? Give us some scope in terms of its size and what the size of the business might look like in a year from now if the flavor ban goes through. Well, I mean, the size, the current size, you just went through the numbers, uh, I mean, to, to try to figure out what it might look like in a year if a flavor ban goes through. Sorry, all you got to do is look the, uh, to Nova Scotia, where 50% uh, of the stores uh, close within three months of legislation uh, going through. So, um, you know, we were speaking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I personally think that most vape shops, uh, will be closing and it will be 
left for convenience stores uh, to, to service customers. And, and you know, I, I mean, obviously, you see the numbers growing from 2016 to 2019, and, and a, a huge chunk of that has come from um, social acceptance and, and, and convenience stores uh, having these outlets with the product from uh, Imperial Tobacco and Altria with Juul and, and et cetera. Uh, so I would expect that portion to decrease uh, drastically uh, with people going back to smoking. Uh, but the vape shop section uh, would probably disappear. Uh, you know, the way they've written the laws that you have to create flavors with 42, 40 molecules for tobacco and 42 for mint. Um, no one knows to this date what that's going to taste like. Uh, but chances are it's going to be pretty horrible. Uh, so uh, vape shop alone are not going to be able to, uh, I mean, if you walk into a vape shop right now, there's uh, hundreds of flavors uh, and, and they need those flavors to be able to keep their doors open. Uh, if you limit that to three, four or five SKUs, uh, it's just not going to cut it. If I could interject, I actually disagree with that a little bit. I think the vape shop channel is going to be for the most part, okay. They're gonna have their flavorless product, their tobacco, their mint and menthols. But what's gonna happen is people are gonna be purchasing flavors elsewhere. And that's gonna create an unsafe market because people are gonna be mixing in flavors that they're purchasing at Bog Barn that might be oil soluble instead of water soluble. And ta-da, you have another Evali. So Health Canada really missed the mark on this regulation because they should have let the, the nicotine ban, the nicotine cap take effect for at least 12 months to see the effect that it has on uh, youth vaping and youth uptake, and then they should have introduced uh, further restrictions on products. Right now, what they're doing is they're going to create a massive black market that's going to be unsafe, and it's going to be impossible for them to regulate it. I think they're okay with that, Shai. I think, they're, I think we're not giving them... Um, when you're looking at this, all their data is collected from 2018 when it comes to the, the flavor profile. And when they said there that you know, there's 83% of liquid on the shelves will be affected. But that's from 19, oh, sorry, 2018. Our, like, think about between now and then, how many of our flavors have changed. They just don't care. They don't care if there's a black market. They've wiped their hands from this. No one's screaming, save the children to them. Then they, then they can say, well, we did our best. We can't stop a black market. I think it's, it's going to be an unintended consequence of their actions. I don't think they're actively going about it to create a black market. But no, whoever but is obviously pulling the strings, they, they're, they're misinformed and they're uneducated about the subject that they're actually enforcing or trying to regulate. And it's going to create that unintended consequence. No different than I, Juul coming to market in 2016 care? created an unintended consequence yeah. of uh, youth uptake because of high nicotine. So... Like, it's, it's, I want to ask you There's unintended consequences on both sides, but this one is going to be deadly. I'm going to ask you a question because you, I love your press releases. Like, you know this. I've known you for how long? Many years. Like, forever? Yeah. Um, many, many years. I don't know if anybody knows this, but back in 2013, Shy was my closest competition, 23 kilometers away in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> which is insane if you guys want to see like from 2013 to today I, like now I'm in Port Hope and my closest competition is 100 meters down the street so like we've known each other for a long time I respect 
and value your your badassness um totally i love the way you're straight up i love your press releases and i love that you're consistent with the same questions and i'm going to read those questions because i want to know if they have asked you have answered you mr beckman wants to know what investigation did the government do in regards to the youth vaping crisis how long was the investigation what were the resu results of the investigation how many people were charged at what stage is the litigation so Shai, have you gotten an answer yet? I'll give you one guess. Absolutely not. Nobody's reached out. No, media hasn't reached out. House Canada hasn't reached out. Nobody that is of any substance that could add to this conversation has reached out to, to give us answers on those questions, which I think as Canadians, we deserve to know the answers to those questions. No, we deserve to know a lot of answers. And the thing is, is how are you curbing a youth market if you're not actually finding someone for selling products to a youth, there's been not a single fine federally. Exactly. So I'm like, I can't wait till the next one. Are you going to be able to tease us? Cause the videos you guys have been doing have been absolutely amazing. Um, I and I do, and I do have, let me cue that up, Maria uh, and perfectly oh, timed because um, we've got that. So, Chai, uh, you, we just showed your uh, press release you did on the uh, on E Valley, but tied with the nicotine concentrations, really, right? Which is, which yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's asking them for answers to questions that they're regulating the industry based off of, but they don't have those answers, so they're just regulating us based on hypotheticals and anecdotes, pretty much, because they don't know the answers to those questions themselves. And you and you came out with a, a follow-up uh, release that was just actually last late last month or early this month, I think actually, and it was yep. the proposed ban on vaping flavors. And here it is. Um, and a, and a great, I agree with Maria. I mean, this is some strong material, and it takes a lot, you know, to come out as a business. You're not a lobbying organization or anything like that, or an association. And you really come and you've come out with something that I think that strategically is, is pretty darn good. We are in the midst of a youth vaping crisis. Here at Health Canada, we have a responsibility to ensure the safety of Canadians. It's time to shut off the lights on vaping. So we have developed the world's first government approved vaping cessation device, introducing the cigarette. To further talk about this breakthrough of a product, we have Canadian Health Minister, Patty. Uh, Patty, 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 we're rolling. What? Hi, I'm Patty. And today, I'm here to present to you the cigarette. As you can see, the cigarette, very compact. No more fumbling around for that silly vape. And the best part about it is, this cigarette is all organic. And why settle for vapor when you can have real smoke? Now, developing the cigarette was no easy task. We spent countless nights coming up with the perfect product to end this vaping crisis. Thanks to the works of myself and my amazing co-workers, Teresa and Christia, I think we've finally done it. We need to get them to stop vaping. How can we do that? 
Oh my god. I've got it. See, that sounds like an easy task, but how do you expect us to do that? What if, hear me out, we get rid of flavors? Oh my god, you're right. Because only kids like flavors. If we get rid of flavors, they'll have to smoke. Cigarettes are healthier because they contain no dia dia what's the word? Uh diacetyl. Patty. And cigarettes are healthier because they contain absolutely no diacletus. So you can say goodbye to popcorn lung. Wait, but isn't there diacetyl in cigarettes? That Shut up. Don't just take our word for it. Ask some of our satisfied customers. I was a vapor, but ever since they got rid of flavors, I just couldn't do it anymore. So, I took up smoking. Well, Derek, who needs flavors when you have the delicious taste of tar, carbon monoxide, hydrogen cyanide, formaldehyde, lead, arsenic, ammonia, benzene, chromium, nickel, Vinyl chloride. So kids, stop vaping and pick up a fresh pack of cigarettes today. Goddamn. Patty! The point, though, that's being made is pretty dramatic, and that is that it seems all too clearly that Health Canada is pushing Canadians back to cigarettes. They'd rather see that's Canadians smoke. They, they say it in plain English. They say these regulations and these bans will cause people to go back to cigarettes, and they're perfectly fine with that. Let's, uh, I'm going to pull up. Uh, there's, you've got a couple of quotes here in um, your release, which is pretty, very important. According to the regulatory analysis impact statement pertaining to the order amending schedules two and three to the Tobacco and Vaping Products Act flavors published in the Canada Gazette, Ottawa, Saturday, June 19th, 2021 states, and this is from the document in Health Canada, about 46% of current vapors past 30 day use, age 20 year, years old and older are dual users i.e. individuals who vape and smoke cigarettes. The total profit loss to the vaping industry that also manufactures tobacco products may be mitigated by the substitution of tobacco purchases from dual users 
who would go back to smoking and adults who smoke, who would continue to smoke instead of switching to tobacco or menthol-flavored vaping products. After the proposal comes into force, it is anticipated that some dual users who currently use flavored vaping products would not substitute their purchases with tobacco and mint menthol-flavored vaping products. They would choose to purchase more cigarettes, hence offsetting the loss of sales of tobacco and mint-flavored vaping, flavored vaping products. So if you are a big tobacco company and you happen to have um, vaping products, and a lot of those happen to be flavored, you know, you could be lucky the fact that you'll keep that customer, you'll just transition those that don't want to use the mint and menthol vapes, you can transition them over to Marlboro's. Demoriers in Canada. <laughs> Demoriers, yeah. Or Benson and Hedges or whatever. It's disgusting. Like, I don't even know. Like, public health is supposed to be for public health. Harm reduction is reducing the risk. One less cigarette is one less cigarette. Like, why should we marginalize smokers? Why should we take away a community that has helped people quit smoking? Because at the end of the day, Shy, yeah, he owns vape shops. David owns vape shops. But you know what they do own? They also own, uh, in my opinion, a recovery center. They've helped people transition off of smoking. They've done the things that public health pharmacies have failed for decades. And we did it not with all this medical knowledge behind us. We didn't go to psychology school. But at one point, almost everybody that works in a vape shop has smoked and they've had a hard time or they've known someone and they're around it and they respect people and they help them. So like Health Canada is... Yeah, okay, I, they, they think it's about the bottom dollar. And yeah, I think for, yeah, it is about money at times, but you can't put a price on, like Shy, can you put a price on all the people who come up to you and say, thank you? No. And I think that's the big part. A lot of people associate this with economic uh, hardships, you know, like, yeah, the flavor bands are going to put people out of business. They're going to, you know, they're going to put me out of business. They're going to put my employees out of work. It has nothing to do with that for me. All it has to do with is it's going to create an unsafe black market that my customers and people that I've helped quit smoking are going to be susceptible to. They're going to have increased harm because of bad regulation. That's what it comes down to. I think, I think the hardest part about all this, oh my God, I'm going to get emotional. I'm doing the Maria thing. I think the hardest part about all this is people don't realize that most vape shop owners care. Like you can't tell me one person who has been around people who feel joy and know that they feel better and have to hear day in and day out how much better their life is, how much more confidence they have, how much, how many flights of stairs they can walk up or how their lungs are better or how like they're, they're sleeping better at night and tell me it's just about the money. It's about the lives that we're affecting when they're walking into the shop. And I don't think anyone understands that. And definitely, based on the quotes that Shy pulled, which are completely great, it shows that they just want, they think bottom line is how many people are going to go back to smoking and we'll make it back up in tobacco sales. I don't know. Do you sell cigarettes? Does anyone on this call sell cigarettes? Nope. Nope. 
So let me just say that cigarettes are legal in Canada. And if you're in the business of selling cigarettes, more power to you. It's a legal product. It's just that vaping is a safer alternative. And as long as cigarettes are an, av an available legal product in Canada, you would think that the health regulator would allow an alternative product to also exist. And that just seems to be what's maddening here. Yeah, there's too much false moral panic. And that's exactly what it is. The regulators don't, don't actually understand what they're regulating. So they're relying on other people to give them that information. But they're listening to the, to the wrong side. They're, they're listening to people that have a vested interest in vaping being less accessible. Shah, you mentioned when we spoke earlier yesterday that the industry's gone through quite a bit of stages here in the last two years uh, dealing with regulations from Health Canada because, of course, the industry is newly regulated, so there's all these steps and, and degrees, escalating degrees and stuff that they've been asking you to do. And I know that covering the industry, the industry has been doing it, not always happily, and definitely it's been very expensive. So walk us through all that you've had to do getting us to this point. For sure. So several years ago, uh, when they legalize, legalized vaping, they introduced CCCR compliance uh, regulations for labeling. We had to go through, relabel all the products. Then again, last year, they introduced another set of labeling regulations. Again, we had to go relabel all the products. Then they introduced a CRC regulation for childproofing. We had to dispose of tens of thousands of dollars of hardware that is no longer compliant. Then they introduced a nicotine cap with a six month or even less than that. I don't remember how long it even was but a very short period of time for compliance. Again, you have to dispose of all those products. Now, if they introduce a flavor ban, again, very short period of time, you have to dispose of all those products. So the, the economic hardship on a business in any other industry would have already sunk it. In this industry, a lot of the businesses are resilient, and that's the only reason they're still alive. And David, let's uh, let Zoom here switch over to you. Are you there? Yep. Great. Awesome. So um, you also had some have some similar concerns with all the stuff that has been required upon your business and others like yours in the country. Has it been like really millions of dollars, you know, hit to the industry to comply? Well, I mean, I can I can't talk for the entire industry, but I can I can definitely speak for ourselves. I mean, every uh, a year for the past three years has been uh, tens of thousands of dollars uh, in the garbage. Uh, you know, not even like just loss. It's it's garbage. Uh, you know, and we're trying to be uh, a green uh, country, and we're trying to be uh, proactive uh, towards the environment. And then every year uh, they they put on uh, new policies that really don't change much, you know, whether you write nicotine one way or another, or, you know, very little small details that make you change uh, all of your inventory and you have to toss all of this or toss the actual bottles and, and you have to pay for uh, people to dispose of it. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it hasn't been easy. Uh, but, you know, in the end, you know, we comply, we deal with this. Uh, you know, just going back to the conversa conversation earlier, I, I do think that what Shai said about them being uneducated on the topic is 
the primary issue here uh, because, you know, when I was speaking with a, a political health political advisor on Monday uh, and I mean, as, as knowledgeable as he was on one side of the topic, he had no clue of the other side, you know, and, and the truth is that at a provincial level, uh, there are many restrictions uh, in, in Ontario uh, and, and BC, which has had a, a, a NICAP for about a year now, uh, and Nova Scotia full ban for about a year. Uh, they can analyze this data uh, and, and make their decision based on that. But they've jumped the gun uh, based on the 2017-2018 numbers of, of youth uptake. Uh, and from, you know, reacting from the pressure of the, all the anti-group, uh, the health organization. And, uh, and this is where we, we stand. But, I mean, we're not going down with, without a fight. You know, we, uh, there was a campaign called Tobacco Kills that, that sent over 100,000 emails to MPs. Uh, now there's another campaign uh, to uh, help people submit uh, their, their uh create their submission to Health Canada regarding CG1, the flavor ban. So uh, they're, they're going to keep hearing from us. Now, this is a question I'm going to um, throw to everybody on the show. And, and as everyone can see, Maria is co-hosting here. So feel free to jump in more with questions, Maria. Let no me problem. Put, I'm let managing me, our chat. Are you? That's excellent. But let me so, let me put one to first to Shai, then to you, Maria, and then back to David. And it stems from what David was just talking about. And the larger issue here is that all of these steps, costly steps that have been taken by the industry based on compliance with Health Canada as they've been rolling out the regulations on this new industry, it seems to me that they haven't given any of the measures that they've asked the industry to take a chance to become effective. So like, let's just reinforce everything here. This comes down to youth use. So the whole, the whole thing here is the so-called epidemic of teen vaping and that spike in use that happened in 2018 as a result in Canada of Juul legally coming onto the market just right after vaping became legal. And then, of course, the high nicotine content in Juul-type devices. There's a couple other players in Canada, too, but all big, big tobacco. And, of course, what was happening in the U.S. So this youth use issue is really the biggest issue for Health Canada. And it seems to me, and I agree, that they've kind of thrown their hands up in the air and said, we just can't deal with this uh, issue anymore. We have to basically, you know, choke the industry off. But so my question to you then, first, uh, Shai, is that did Health Canada not give all these measures a chance to become effective or they kind of abandoned the process? Yeah, the flavor ban was introduced before the nicotine cap was even in place. You know, I've been a pretty strong proponent of the nicotine cap, thinking that nicotine should be capped at 20 milligrams. And I've talked to you and other people about why, but that step will single-handedly eliminate youth uptake. Kids that are experimenting will not be addicted anymore. They're just going to experiment. They're going to give up on it. And then they're going to go on with their lives. The nicotine at 59 milligrams off a jewel allows people to experiment and then it causes an addiction to the product. So nicotine cap alone will completely obliterate youth uptake and they're not giving it a chance to, to actually save the adult industry because they're, they're just jumping the gun. They're just trigger happy. 
And just to, for everybody that, uh, well, everybody knows that's probably watching this show is that the nicotine cap just went into force, into effect last week. And they dropped the flavor ban last month. So clearly they didn't give it any chance. Maria, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, has Health Canada totally abandoned this market to the black um, market? I think, to, yes, absolutely. Canada has totally abandoned this market to the black market. You can't make that any clearer. I think the fact is in the regulation process, we have gone to CG2 on every single regulation dropped, proposed regulation, except for rel relative risk statements. We're still waiting for the relative risk statements. So based on that, Health Canada has chosen to support any movement towards anti-vaping because every regulation goes, if it's about making it harder for access. So we're going to talk about consumers access. If, there, if this regulation is going to make this product look like it's bad, is at bad or as bad as smoking, that regulation is going to go through. Anything that is to help people understand the difference between vaping and smoking, even if it's on the Health Canada website, has not been regulated. And every single person that deals with... Um, so as a shop, if my public health unit put up something that said um, vaping is as bad as smoking... Me as a shop cannot fight that because I am not legally allowed to say anything. So what we're looking at is they're putting in regulations, they're swift, they're quick, and they're like very quick. Like today, I had my tobacco enforcement officer on a provincial level come in here and literally start looking at all my products. And this is the best, guys. Like, I swear I can't make this up. I was like awful to him and I had every right to be because I was miserable. And... um and I'm helping a customer and she ordered three milligrams and he told the customer I'm selling her an illegal product. So I'm just like, I'm like, it's three milligrams. He goes, anything over 20 is illegal. I said, it's three milligrams, not 3%. Like, does he think, first of all, that I'm at that point where I'm going to break a law in front of him? I, it's, it's, in, it's, it's mind blowing. Like they've given us, you know, Shai, you said six months for the NIC cap. We've known about it for six months. They gave us an extra 15 days. They gave us yeah. 30 days to comply. There is not a single product on the market that has had a 15-day window for compliance to remove inventory. That is how little that Health Canada is concerned. It doesn't... Forget about shops. Let's take shops out of, out of the equation. Let's think about consumers who are addicted to 50 milligrams. They have not given them an opportunity to be able to wean down. They do not care about people. We've got to take the consumer out of this right now and think about the people because that's who Health Canada was hired for. That is what that is supposed to be there for. They haven't thought of. They don't have a plan. Where is their plan for everybody to help consumers? Oh, wait, there is a plan. Get Nicorette. So again, it is a pharma-funded plan. Sorry, I'm just like, oh, but they are making a mess. They're making a mountain out of a molehill. We have organ groups or what, is, what do they call them? Oh, the body, body, part. body part organizations, the body part organizations who um, like outwardly lie. They lie. We had a health promoter in Nova Scotia or New Brunswick say that e-liquid manufacturers purposely put something in the e-liquid to create combustion. 
I have no idea who the Jesus of our industry is that can turn water into fire, but good <laughs> for them. But like, you lie. It's like absolutely mind blowing. So then there are no repercussions. However, if I'm at my shop and I tell you that vaping is 95% safer than smoking according to Public Health England, that's a $500,000 fine and 18 months in prison. That's my recommend. So you know what? Can you picture me in prison, people? What are you in here for? You Knowing just, my husband. How about you? Oh, I told someone vaping's safer than smoking. You just hurt my brain yep. there. That 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 image hurt my brain. David. Me in prison? Yeah, you in prison. David, let's get, uh, I'd like to get a response from you too on that as well um, in terms of Health Canada, you know, have they abandoned the legal vaping industry and essentially abandoned it to the black market? Well, I mean, it, it definitely looks that way. Um, you know, I, look, it's, it's very hard because uh, emotionally, um, you know, you look at this and, and there's such nonsense that, uh, you know, it's hard to deal with. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, they just have no clue. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, when you speak to two MPs, uh, an elected official, and I, I've spoken to a, my fair share of them, uh, they don't know what's going on. Uh, Health Canada is kind of running their own ship. Uh, is it bureaucrats? Who's influencing them? I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, you have uh, Freeland, uh, the, the finance minister that wants to tax vaping. So, um, you know, somewhere in the, in the government, somebody thinks that vaping is going to stick around. Uh, and they obviously have no clue that what the Health Canada is proposing is going to destroy the entire industry. So, so I, I hope that if we get communication through uh, elected official and, and kind of really inform them that they can kind of see the, 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 the clear light and the clear path because uh, these these policies are will be killing people um, and and you know smokers one out of two uh, die from smoking so I mean they can't go on like this and somebody at, at the government has got to stand up and say hey what are you guys doing is it patty I don't know. I don't know what she does. Does she only sign papers? Does she approve this? Does she, you know, is she a pawn? I have no clue. But somebody in there obviously is working on this and has no clue what's going on, the impact of this. Uh, you know, I was talking to that the advisor again, and I was telling him in the UK, behind the, the bus ticket, uh, Cancer Research UK is promoting vaping. And over here, uh, they're flat out lying, as uh, Maria said, and and making uh, attacking us. I would say I don't know twenty five times more than they're attacking tobacco now. So, uh, but we're we're you know we're there to help. Uh, so um, I mean, if if somebody looks at the real numbers, uh, you know, somebody smart. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the impact, financial impact of smoking on our country and, and how much we would save if everybody would switch to vaping and how much, you know, I mean, it's, it's very simple. It's very simple mathematics. 
So the youth uptake, you got to deal with it. You've done it twice and you haven't given it a chance to see the results. Now there's results in other provinces. Go take a look and then let's sit down and review those numbers. But obviously, um, you know, I, I, bureaucrats, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. And it seems that, you know, it seems that the activist side um, of government is listening to the real activists out there that are stuck in using the old numbers. And it's not just the older numbers on the epidemic. I mean, we know that teen vaping has been seriously going down over the last 18 months. And they don't really use that good picture. It seems everything's stuck in that 2018, 2019 mode. And then, of course, we had a valley hit too as well. And that's frozen in time on February 20th, 2020, when the CDC completely stopped recording um, any instances of E-Valley because there really, there wasn't a scare anymore. But one number that's not changing, Brent, is the number of death linked to tobacco usage. That number is not going down. You're talking about uh, over 100 people every day dying from tobacco usage in Canada. So, as I said, those policies will maintain these numbers and most likely increase them because the 4 million, what is it, a million vapors in Canada? Uh, 1.25 according to consumers, um, David Clements, 1.25. So how many, of those, how many of those will go back to smoking or how many of those will go to the black market and make their own flavors and deal with... Uh, vaping oil-based flavoring. Like, and you, you know, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Maria, but on yeah, to no. David's point, the problem isn't the DIY market where they're purchasing flavors that are vape shop sources or flavor house sources that are known to not be oil-soluble. They're water-soluble products. They're not going to cause issues for you. And then they're going to have to go to an alternative uh, market to get those same flavors. But now that person is not knowledgeable enough to know whether a flavor is oil soluble or water soluble and you get another valley situation so the problem is a lot deeper than just a flavor ban or a nicotine cap or or you know labeling issues it's legitimately the, the main issue here is the safety of the product goes down when you ban these uh flavors because there's a market for flavors people aren't going to just put up their hands and be like oh, okay I, flavors are banned I'm going to move on with my life. No, they're going to try to source it in different ways. And the ways they're going to be sourcing it is a lot more harmful and has potential for a lot more damage than the current market if they just didn't touch it. Yeah, no, that's um, a... I work... No, <coughs> it's an actually very good point because I work front of the line and I've been talking to everybody about the flavor ban. And he's like, oh, that's fine. I'm just going to go to Shoppers Drug Mart and pick up those essential oils and throw it into my flavorous product. And I just about died. And even the same with these 50 million, with the NIC cap. I've been telling everyone, if they find over 20 milligrams come October, because I'll be, let's be honest, like people are still going to sell it through their back door. There's going to be those people. We are not one of them. And I don't think anyone on this call is one of them. But I've been honest with my customers and I've said to them, if you have access to anything over 20 milligrams come October, think twice about what you're putting in your lungs. It is not coming out of from a reputable shop. It is not coming from a, a reputable manufacturer because not a single manufacturer is willing to take a five hundred thousand dollar risk. 
that's the fine, is it not, Shy and David? Is it five hundred thousand dollars if you produce the product? I don't know exactly what the fine is, but it's it's high. It's high. Okay, we've got some questions. Are you guys ready? Born um, ready. Okay. Um, people want to know how other how can people in other countries help? Loaded question, but they want to do something. Do David? Is there anything like? Well, I I, think, I would look. I mean, there's a, a, I'm having a hard time saying that word, so bear with me, I'm French, right? So, uh, constitution, constitutional, constitutional, there's a constitutional challenge uh, coming. So, I mean, if push comes to shove, we're going legal. Uh, there, there is, uh, in Canada, we're lucky that uh, we should be protected by the Charter of Rights. So um, there are uh, there is a GoFundMe right now, and maybe uh, Brand can put the link later on, uh, where people can donate. Uh, you know, the target for this lawsuit, which is using one of the best uh, firm in the country uh, for uh, charter of right legal cases. Um, the target is 1.5 million. So uh, right now, I think we're sitting at 126,000, but that's not true number because there's other contribution that I haven't uh, showed up on there. But we're probably sitting at close to 700,000. Um, but we need to get that 1.5, and uh, we'll take them to court. The 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 challenge there is that how long will it take, and how many vape shop. Uh, and, and manufacturing companies can hold their ground uh, while this is happening. And I've got it up here right now. This is the one you're speaking about, correct, David? Correct. Right. So it's help us defend Canada's right uh, to harm reduction. We'll throw this link up in, in the final posting of this video once we do our cleanup on both YouTube and Facebook. And it's uh, being hosted by the Canadian Vaping Association. Um, I also just wanted to say is that the other thing people can do, just know that just because you're not Canadian doesn't mean that you can't contribute to the um, consultation process. You can go to safeflavors.ca and you can go there and create a submission. You just have to identify that you're not Canadian, but you are a supporter of maybe Canadian products or you, you are you have friends who are Canadian and put in your submission. The point is our goal is to just to push the CG1 as far as possible. And one of the best ways, because it is a legal process, is they have to read and sort and file every single cons consultation. The other thing is share on Twitter. Um, share this video when the final product comes out. Uh, follow Rights for Vapors, follow CVA, follow CDVQ, share our stuff um, because you never know what your algorithm and what Canadian may see it. So it's really about let's share this stuff. We need to get stuff going viral um, and that's really big. And if you have the time and you have the heart, put your put your story on paper and send it over to Health Canada. Just find a little Canadian con like link to it. Um, because we need as many and as many people as possible. And also a $5 donation is just as great 
as a $500,000 donation because it's a donation and it is more support. And not only is the final number important, but Health Canada will be watching this and seeing that number there of supporters is equally as valuable. So if you say, I don't have enough money, just donate $5 if you can. If you can't, that's fine. But those are some other ways you can support Canadian. And like all our stuff on um, YouTube so we can get better algorithms and stuff like that, I think that's about it. Like, I think that is really key stuff. And that that is key stuff. And then our plan here is to uh, do the last little bit of the show talking about these programs. Um, Excuse me. So why don't we take a moment? We have Luke Marshall, an interview that we did with him just yesterday, uh, pre-taped and edited uh, for us to watch right now. And it would be really important to kind of get his point of view in on this. And then when we come back, we'll talk in more depth about what can be done because there's also a potential federal election coming up. I think it's not, I think it's very not potential anymore. It looks like it's actually going to happen. And let's discuss how we can um, push um, the federal liberals uh, onto the side of aping if possible, because it seems like they're the biggest stumbling block here. So anyhow, let's just quickly check out uh, this short interview here with Luke Marshall. Luke, thanks for joining us today on RegWatch. Thanks for having me, Brent. So you are a vape shop owner in Ontario, correct? That's correct. Yeah, here in Fergus, Ontario. So tell us a bit about your shop. How long have you been in business? What's your clientele like? We opened up my doors in 2018. Um, uh, And then back then, that was when I was on the main street right downtown here in Fergus. Um, The clientele is mostly, I mean, aside from the odd, you know, teenager trying to get in, which they weren't allowed in, uh, mostly 35 and up, I'd say some early late twenties, but mostly, mostly older folks, my age. So this is our uh, last stand special here. Obviously vaping is under a lot of pressure in Canada outside of your vape shop there in Ontario. You, I understand that you've got a wide experience with vaping shops across the country. Yeah. So, I mean, I, back in 2015, I was hired by liquid e-juice, um, to be their, uh, sales rep to the, to the various stores. Um, so back then there was a lot fewer shops, uh, than there was now. Um, you know, I sort of had some connection to the industry. I had created a Facebook group, and so I knew some people. But I, I changed my whole career. I mean, I left a. a, a I was I'm really well known in my career. I was well established, and uh, it was funny. I was actually looking at two job offers, going 100 grand a year or you know 30 grand a year with a commission. And I went, well, this is my one opportunity to be in the industry that I that I really had grown quite passionate about. Um, so I took the job, and and I never looked back. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I got to call uh, you know every shop owner that I could find. Uh, on the listing and I got to know a lot of, a lot of really great people, um, a lot of passionate people, uh, people that were really had a, had a spark, you know, they had, they had a spark that they were able to contribute something and maybe change what had previously been a life that they weren't happy with. And, and it was, uh, you know, not only did the vaping help them quit smoking, but it inspired them to help others quit smoking. And it's that, that, uh, that spark was really what, you know, it tra- attracted me to the industry. I thought it was, it's a great feeling to be a part of. All the stuff that Health Canada has been doing is designed to thwart the youth use of vaping products. They just brought in the nicotine concentration cap. And then of course they announced before that cap even came in a national flavor ban. What are your thoughts towards Health Canada and the flavor ban? Well, I I think it's, um, uh, I'm not one of those people to subscribe to conspiracy theories, you know, and and nor do I, will I, will I ever pin that on them? 
but it gets really hard to, 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 to see the willful ignorance, um, you know, the denial of, of, of information, the, the, the quick turn away and, and not think that something else is afoot. Now, I think that their research saying that the youth vaping is a, is a big epidemic and a big problem was significantly overblown by the media, mostly coming out of the U.S. Um, Canada has a habit of you know, looking down there and thinking that's happening here just because naturally the amount of uh, content that there's generated. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the study themselves that they even quoted, I think it was even your interview with James Van Loon, where, where he said, you know, David Hammond has a, a study that's not yet released. We know that, right? Well, you know, since that interview had been released and then even been uh, uh, oh, released because, you know, I think you leaked it actually, he, was, he wasn't doing it himself. And then the, he actually had to correct it saying that there was no, there was no issue. Right. And in the meantime, Stats Canada numbers had come out and said, you know, the, the, the amount of smoking uh, by youth from what's uh, two, 12 to 17, it dropped to a number so low that they had, uh, that you couldn't statistically rely on it. So, so my opinion is basically you're welcome, you know? You know, we didn't ask uh, the industry. You guys have been trying for 50 years. We came along in a matter of three years. The smoking rate plummets that just like that. You know, there's something to be said there. And, and either, I don't know, either they're just so scared or or they're just, I don't want to say corrupt because there can't be that many of them that are that corrupt because they're you know, people are good people naturally, right? I think they're just scared. Uh, I don't know. It's But they're making all the wrong moves. Absolutely all the wrong moves. What's going to happen to the industry if the flavor ban, you know, gets implemented? In Ontario, it'll be dead. I mean, in Ontario, we are highly regulated. Um, so we're not, we're only allowed to sell vaping products. Like that's it. I can't sell pop and chips. I can't sell anything other than vaping products, right? So, you know, once people find their hardware, they'll stick with that for a while. And so I can sell them coils, which have very little margin on them, or I can sell them juice, right? So juice is a huge part of my business. It's how I make, you know, that's how I pay my bills. Um, so once that juice is re- you know restricted to, to two or three flavors, it's just not going to happen. I'm not, I'm not going to be in business anymore. It's uh, that's just the way it is. That's why I've chosen to actually uh, pivot. Well, I mean, first it was COVID shut me down on the main street. So I uh, wasn't going to let my customers go back to smoking. Um, so, you know, they, they kept calling me. And so I said, okay, well, just come to the back door and, and, and I'll be there and, and I'll make sure you get your juice. And then once it was sort of became okay to, you know, open up again a little bit, I actually ended up uh, opening a service window out the back. I cut a hole in the wall. Um, that way the customers never had to come into my store. Um, and I opened the store and I moved my store back here and I've actually elected to open an art gallery up where the store used to be um, just because I knew that these regulations were coming and, and uh, I wanted to make sure that at least I have something hopefully to fall back on uh, if that does happen. So it, it entails for you at least the potential loss of your business and if not a total upending of it. Yeah, it's gone. It would be gone. There, there is no way to survive with these regulations. coming. Not that I can see. No, I don't. I don't have the resource, like the resources either. I'm not. A, I'm not a very big chain. I'm a very small shop, right? So I don't have the resources to really get the newer. I mean, I just. I just don't have that. I, I can't do much. I, I wouldn't. I won't survive. I know that much. So how does it make you feel knowing that the regulatory organization that you know brought all these businesses into a regulatory environment so quickly seems to be unwinding it, if not killing? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a little disappointing. Um, you know, it, 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 a lot of it, I, it, it subscribes to the, I mean, I, I'm trying to get angry at it. I, I, and I mean, I used to get angry. I used to get really angry all the time. Right. Um, I used to feel a lot of passion and, and quite frankly, now I'm just, I'm tired. It hurts my soul to be angry all the time. I don't want to be angry at, at 
I'm really proud of Canada um, for having a national healthcare system. Um, I think it's one of the best in the world. I've never once felt unsafe there. I think they've, I mean, I've been, I've had multiple surgeries, broken bones, you know, and I've been, and, I, and I'm grateful for, for the, you know, the care and attention that I've received. Um, and, and I really don't like the idea that I, that I have to say, you don't know what you're doing, right? Like you, you don't know, because if, if you don't know this, that's so simple, that's right there. What else don't you know? Right. And, and it makes it hard to, to really to bridge that gap. And I think that that's where a lot of people have trouble accepting vaping because it does kind of mean that whole, you know, if they're really doing this that badly, what else are they messing up? Right. And I think that's where they're kind of digging their heels into going, no, no, no. And they'll just deny the truth. Right. And it's just not okay. Right. Thankfully we have the public health England and we have, you know, the Royal college of physicians over in England, you know, standing up and actually doing the right thing. Um, despite the lack of a backbone that seems to be appearing here in Canada. Is Health Canada letting Canadians down? 100%. 100%. They've completely failed us. In, the, in this regard, as it comes to vaping, they, I think that they've become too much of a political entity. Um, and I think it's, it's already showing signs that it's starting to serve them uh, poorly. Because, I mean, why do you think people are, are having trouble with the COVID vaccine? I mean, you know, people see through these cracks, right? And there's a lot of vapors out there. I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, just to, for instance, their own impact analysis, Brent, the, uh, the, the nicotine cap that was imposed on the 23rd, right? So they said themselves, 125,000 people will return to smoking. That's what they expect. <clears throat> now, if you look at the, the research that we know, like Rock said, we know for sure, half of people that smoke will lose at least 10 years of their life. We know this for sure. Like that's a guaranteed practical fact, right? So you take that 125,000 number, that works out to 625,000 human, human years of life lost. 625,000 years of life. That's a huge amount of time that they've now removed from, from Canada, from Canadians, right? And, and so that part, that's just the nicotine cap. That's the one regulation that we thought we might be able to survive that, right? The flavors are just going to, I mean, you could triple, quadruple, I'd say even 10 times that number. That's 6,250,000 years of human life lost. For what? You know, what are they trying to protect? You know, they're, they're, they're leaving cigarettes on the shelves, right? So, and, and the funny thing is, is you go, I, I, I didn't smoke for the flavor. I didn't like the flavor, right? Why did I smoke? I smoked because I wanted to be taken seriously. I don't know. I smoked because it was fun. I, who knows why I smoked? I smoked because I was a teenage boy who didn't have the capacity to understand long-term consequences, right? We know this, right? So, so what is this going to do for, for any of that? It's not going to change any of that. It's not going to change that, that smoking rate. What's going to do is it's going to take people that did try vaping before, any teens that, that did it and that enjoyed that habit, right? And, and however the heck they got it, and then they're going to end up going back going to cigarettes. And it's going to take smokers that were, you know, had switched over to vaping. And I know that they like to say that nicotine addiction is nicotine addiction, but at the end of the day, I'm not smoking, right? So, and vaping is orders of magnitude less harmful than smoking. And let me ask you uh, one last question with regard to politics. We're staring down what's likely going to be a federal election. How mm. is it? How is it that the election and say advocacy with that make a difference? Well, I mean, unfortunately, uh, you know, Health Canada has the authority to do what they want. Um, they gave that to themselves in Bill S five. Um, so, I mean, really, at the end of the day, the hope we have is that you know, so we have. Uh, uh, some politicians around that still have enough of a backbone 
to really stand up for what's right, uh, you know, and then put a, squash it. Just say, you know, Health Canada, stop it. Just leave it alone. Give it a few more years. Stop working on evidence that was, you know, not only, you know, wrong, it was proven to be wrong, but, you know, give it a few years to let things see how things go. Start standing behind it. Health Canada is meant to be an authority, just like Public Health England was, meant, was an authority, right? You don't hear Health Canada being an authority about this. What you hear them doing is you hear them deferring authority. You hear them deferring it to the World Health Organization, or they defer it to the Heart and Lung Association. They defer it to this. Well, you know, you're not there to defer it. If I wanted someone to defer something, I would hire a corporate, you know, a business person or whatever. But you were hiring doctors there, right? So, so they need to really get their act together because there's just too much that we know we will lose because of it for fear of what we think we might lose on the other side. I like that deferred. I really, really like that way he um, positioned it. Health Canada defers to who? Health Canada defers to heart and stroke. It's interesting. Health Canada is deferring to a lot of Bloomberg money. Health Canada is deferring to a lot of pharmaceutical money. So let me say... Very well put. Yeah. That's a way to go, Luke. Like, I bow down to you. I love it. (laughs) Maria, you always always go that extra mile. Well, of course I'm going to go to that extra mile because you know what? You got to treat people the way you want to be treated. So let me throw a question out then from that exact point um, and get all three of you actually to, to give a comment on it. We'll start with you, Shai. And, and that's this observation that RegWatch has based on our coverage. Just recently, we did you know, a series of pieces on Bloomberg, you know, a special series on Bloomberg. And what came out of that coverage was a clear understanding of what the Bloomberg organizations are doing. And they're going out to low and middle income countries and they're saying, you are so unsophisticated. You have so little resources. You can't possibly, possibly manage a legal vaping market. So the only recourse for you to do is to just basically bring flavor bans in, you know, whatever combination to ban vaping in your country and we'll dump some money on you and a bunch of resources. And it seems to me that in some manner or another, that same message has reached Health Canada. You don't have the resources, which we know they don't. They've they've outright said they don't have resources for compliance, enforcement, and all that kind of stuff. And um, obviously, Health Canada is very unsophisticated. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made a monumental mistake, such as legalizing vaping, and then three years later, gutting the regulations. Shai? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And even when they legalized vaping uh, in 2016, it seems like they were listening to the lobbyists from Juul and Big Tobacco to, to do so. That's why they introduced a 65 milligram per milliliter nicotine cap, which as all vapors knew back then, back then people vaped at most 24 milligrams per milliliter. So they introduced uh, the, this issue and now they're trying to regulate this issue for something that they made a mistake on without giving anything else a chance. They already made a mistake without listening to the industry, and now they're doubling down and they're making further mistakes by only listening to the big tobacco lobbyists or the uh, body part organization lobbyists who have a vested interest to remove these products from market. There, there's, there's no other way about it. There's no way that Health Canada could be willfully so ignorant and misinformed. They have to be listening to somebody 
that is feeding them this information. Unfortunately for our industry, they're listening to the wrong people that are giving them bad information. Shai, they're listening to multiple somebodies. I think they're getting the same message from a lot of big money. And that's yeah. the way and I see it. It's funded by Bloomberg big... or it's funded by, yeah, the big pharmaceutical tobacco. company. Like you're looking, Big Pharma, Big, big Tobacco, Big uh, Bloomberg, it's all funded there. And at the end of the day, all three of them, and let's be honest, they're not about the end user. They're not about the human because if it was, they wouldn't. They would start referring to vaping. They wouldn't use the term vaping. They'd use vapors. But they're systemic. They they are creatively and purposefully making it sound like an industry instead of a person. So they're taking the person away. And exactly. I just want to point this out because I saw this today. I don't know of any single vaping company in the world that has hired a 13-year-old uh, model to promote their product. But tobacco control and all these anti-vaping groups continuously hire young children to hold a vape product and smize into the camera and, um, you know, promote anti-vaping. But it looks more like, a, you know, vaping is cool. What do you guys think about, like, when you see those ads? Like, we are so heavily restricted on what we can advertise. And then all of a sudden you see a kid with a vape product. And Health Canada does nothing about that. Yeah, this is totally horrible. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I have two young kids. Uh, they're going to turn six and eight. And um, from an early age, you know, they come around here and they, they walk into the warehouse and, and they know that uh, we, our work is to try to help people quit smoking like their Uncle Jill uh, was still a dual user, but he's trying to quit. And, and they know that's what we do. And then they see these things on TV and, and, you know, I was actually disappointed way back when they removed the poison logo from the front of the bottle. Cause I, I taught my kids, you know, you see this, you don't touch it. Um, now it's not there anymore, but you know, we, we've told them this is not, you know, this is not a product. It's to help people get off cigarette. And then they see that on TV and, and I'm not sure they're, you know, they're connecting the dots. They are a little confused as to, well, why is this kid vaping? And, and I mean, it's, it's really, really horrible. Uh, it's totally counterproductive as to what they're trying to do. And uh, David, so when we spoke, um, you walked us through a little bit in our pre-interview, the save, what is it? Saveflavors.ca. Could yeah. you do that for our viewers right now? What is safeflavors.ca and what is it that they should be doing if they go to the site? So, so basically during the, um, I mean, we live in a democracy uh, or supposed to be. So uh, before they put uh, laws or new regulation in place, uh, they consult Canadians. So uh, every Canadian citizen, and, and uh, Maria just said that if you don't live in Canada, you could do it as well. Uh, you're allowed to voice your opinion on the new regulation. So safeflavors.ca is a way for people to uh, basically write up uh, their opinion on the submitted regulation of banning flavors. So there's two ways to do it. Uh, we highly recommend the green section, uh, which is the recommended section. What happened last time uh, we were actively sending submission to Health Canada is they used 24,000 postcards, which were handwritten uh, by vapors. 
they lumped them into one submission. So I think totally they got uh, totally they got twenty four thousand two hundred fifty five submission. Well, they considered them as one, so they got two hundred fifty six uh, submission. So twenty four thousand people at the weight of one, uh, just because um, they David, didn't write can I, full sentences. Can I, let me just interject something. However, for the nicotine cap, they use those submissions as individuals to support the nicotine cap. So regardless of how you feel about the nicotine cap, the way Health Canada took advantage of a powerful consumer end user that they took advantage of, okay, so these postcards are supporting our nicotine cap. So this is what we're going to put in the RIAS. And, oh, wait a second, these postcards tell us that only 1% of Canadians want a flavor ban. Well, let's just take them out because they don't support it. They, like, I feel like used and abused. Yeah. Sorry, so I if you visit safeflavors.ca, uh, there's two options. Uh, the first option here, you fill in your name, email, uh, zip code, and, and, um, and age. Uh, and basically, there's a few questions uh, that you basically share your story. Those questions are kind of like to guide you as to what you should be writing. Uh, and you tell your story in full sentences. Uh, and it's going to create a complete submission that will then be sent to uh, Health Canada as well as uh, your local MP and uh, party leaders. So it's, uh, it's available to be filled up for, by uh, non-smokers, non-vapers, and, and va vapers. Uh, and, um, and that's it. The other way to do it is more simplified, uh, but the downside of this is we, we risk uh we take the risk of them lumping them one into one submission uh again so hopefully this time we kind of know their tricks and and we figure out a way to counter them so then from what i understand this particular website hopefully should get us around this issue of them you know clumping all the submissions together into one i'm, I'm knocking on wood <laughs> i mean uh you know they're to, to be honest i i you know, as much as I'm saying the uh, uh, earlier, I was saying, well, I kind of have faith that there's somebody in there. But at the same time, they they're sh they've shown that they cannot be trusted. So uh, it, it's a very uh, difficult feeling to, to, to wrestle with. But uh, hopefully, David. I mean, right now, uh, this has been up for uh, a week. We've sent close to 1,500 submissions. Uh, and, and we have to weigh, I mean, if you think about it, on the last round, they got 255, some of which were academics uh, that were pro-vaping. Some of them were the body part organization. Some of them were people like me. So, uh, but they didn't, in the end, you know, I, I, it must have been a 50-50 split, I would think, and they didn't consider it. So uh, I, I can't say that our hopes are super high, uh, but, it's, it's worth taking a shot and we're, we're throwing everything at them. Uh, and like you said earlier, and we should talk about this is the election. Uh, you know, there's, there's people that, that might lose their job over this. Um, so they, they, they have to start listening because we're, you know, when you think about how many action, uh, call to action, have generated a uh, hundred thousand emails in Canada in a what two and a half three month span. I bet you there aren't that many. 
uh, vapors are passionate people and they're, I believe they're single issue voter in this case. Now that is interesting. <clears throat> we vape, we vote only works if people actually vote based on the vape. Um, David, I know I will. Maria? I, um, David, can you talk about like the people who created this? Like I was, I was kind of in the background and watching you guys work on this. Like, I think we need to give out shout outs to two very important people. So I'm going to give the credit. I'm going to give that task to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, the whole concept of, uh, of prompting kind of questions and came from uh, the spokesperson from CDVQ, Droit des Vapoteurs du Québec, Christina Xidus. So she put the whole layout together and, um, and then we hit a wall because we didn't know how to put it together. I mean, it was a great idea, but how do you uh, actually uh, achieve it on a... On a, on a uh, programming standpoint. So, uh, uh, Derek, I, I'm Derek Young. Uh, yep. but I, I, I'm, I'm like holding back because I know he doesn't want to, he, he doesn't like to be in the spotlight, but, uh, he's put tremendous, uh, work into this. Yeah. It's a really easy tool to use. Um, if you were going to tell people if they were kind of on the fence between the two, which one should they use? Which, which the tool? recommended. The recommended one for the customized version. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, it'll, you know, the other one will take you a minute. Uh, the other one, I mean, you could spend an hour on it or you could spend five minutes on it, but at least there's a, a better chance of it being fully custom uh, and, and um, Health Canada taking it seriously. And the more we have, the more submissions we have, uh, I, I don't know if Health Canada is listening, but I, I would assume they're not hiring uh, people to go through submissions. So as many people as they have now is what as many as they're going to have. So uh, I hope you guys are ready. Get your coffees and, uh, <laughs> and enjoy the ride. Start reading and tracking. Start reading <laughs> and tracking. There's going to be a test after. So let's uh, uh, hop over to Shay, or, uh, to Shai for a minute. Uh, just in regards to the election, I'd like to hear his thoughts on uh, what's going to happen. Like, is there a real fight to be had here and any kind of advice on what to do? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a single issue voter myself. So I voted uh, for the party that promised us the most favorable regulations last time. They haven't kept their promise thus far. I'm not going to be voting for them again. Sorry, and you're not going to be voting for them again? No, definitely not. So how hard is it going to be then? Because there's really only one other party that's, you know, in a majority kind of position, and that is the Conservatives. I mean, is there a hope to bring them on board or is that just a pipe dream? Well, I guess your best friend is the one that you don't know, because we know with the with the current government, they're not listening to us. They're they're not responding to our questions. They're not responding to our issues. They're not responding to us as an industry. Uh, there's hope to, to be had that if something like that causes them to lose their position, then the, the opposition would obviously come in a little more uh, on their toes to, to our issues. Very interesting. Mary. I think the, the problem is right now when you're looking at a federal election, you're going to have to look at an individual basis in your riding. Um, other than the liberals, 
the NDP and um, the Conservatives have not come out either way. And that's even scarier, right? The devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm not telling anybody how to vote. Like, please, I, I just want everyone to know that is your choice. What I'm saying is it's time to push your candidate when the election drops and ask them because those two um, parties have not come out with a public position. And I think, Shai, you were part of the We Vape, We, we Vote movement in Ontario, right? In, in Washington, you mean? Like in the no, state. in Ontario with the I Vape, I Vote, Doug Ford. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that, yeah. yeah. It was like we did that first in 2017 and, you know, we pushed and we pushed. Do you think we can recreate that on a federal level? I, I think so. I think a lot of vapors are, are fed up and they're, the, the most important issue for them is the fact that they are at risk of not staying smoke free because of government regulations. So for, for these people, yeah, that's, that's a big enough issue to, to possibly sway a vote in one direction or another. Yeah, because I think what people don't realize and what politicians don't realize is we're not voting for vaping. We're voting for our life. And they haven't, they haven't figured out how to equate that. Like, it's not vaping. It's my life. It's my quality of life. Yep. If, so, if you're allowed to smoke, you should be allowed to vape. That's right. <laughs> That's that's essentially it. David, you like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, two things that um, uh, Maria's got going on with Rights for Vapors. And then I'm going to do one last round of uh, thoughts uh, from all of you guys and last comments. So, Maria, why don't you just fill us in about the two things that are going on? One is, of course, coming up in two days, and that's Dr. John Oyston. And then after yeah. that, the tour. Okay. So first of all, uh uh, David can talk on the tour, too, because we're joining teams with CDVQ. Um, first of all, we have Dr. John Oyston. Uh, the last conference that we had that conference a couple of weeks ago, which we had over 50 people participate, which was great. We walked through the submission process. You, you all met Christina. She um, showed us how to do a submission. Uh, it went so wonderfully. I've asked Dr. John to come, Dr. John Oyston to come in. Dr. John like has really delved deep into the regulatory impact analysis statement. If you go on his um, Twitter feed, Quit by Vaping, you're going to see the breakdown. But he's going to explain where the fallacies or, I guess, the loose floorboards are in the Health Canada position. He's going to dissect it. I can tell you that a lot of people outside of our industry will be paying attention. Um and they've signed up. I've just noticed names from doctors from different parts of the world that have registered. I've noticed a few policymakers. So it will be a good opportunity um, if they do show up, but also to have an opportunity to ask the questions. Um, just remember, like we're gonna, it's going to be a QA at the end. The more we know, the better our submission can be. I don't want to pause anybody from sending their submission sent, but if you haven't sent your submission yet, Sit, talk with Dr. John, like listen to what he has to say, ask him the questions. We're open to any questions that are, have to do, deal with consumer. We are focusing this completely on the consumer. And this is July 29th, uh, this yeah. Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And we have a link. I'll figure out how to get the link onto the um, chat down there on YouTube. Okay. And then the second big thing, I mean, the second thing, 
the the vape tour 2021 um tournée de la vape it is a completely bilingual tour we have a wonderful rv that's getting wrapped um just in case anybody just asking anybody if you want your face on the side of a bus if that has been your dream well (laughs) let me tell you vaping can make that dream happen if you can send us your photo we want to have a wide variety of um faces on the bus. I can't promise that your face will be used. Um, that is all up to people who decide. It's not a contest. You can't win anything other than like getting your face on the side of a bus. We are going to hit um, 29 swing ridings in the provinces of Quebec and Ontario. We are going to record all this. You can follow us on our different uh, Twitter handles, Rights for Vapors. Um, David, what is the CDVQ is it CDVQ4 on Twitter? Uh, I believe so. Let me just... Okay, yeah, I think it's CDVQ4. Here are all the writings that we're going to. Um, it's it's really eclectic. The Quebec portion will be done in French. Christina from CDVQ will be joining us. We have a bus. Or we're going to have opportunities for testimonials. The other big thing, and... This is not completely finalized, but there will be uh, opportunities to watch You Don't Know Nicotine. We're working on creating some viewings in different spots across the country, um, and we need people to show up. Here's the thing. Um, someone asked, what can I do? Show up. If you can get to the vape shop on one of the, on the tours, that would be great. Just show up. The more they hear from us, the more they will pay attention. The other, what else are we doing? August 20th, we're launching it with a small demonstration in front of the CBC building. I'm really tired of that vape sale. It'll be on in Spark Street. And we are just finalizing a larger demonstration um, in Ottawa. We are going to avoid the parliament because they do have COVID restrictions and they do have vaping restrictions. And the fines for vaping on federal property are quite high. And I don't want someone going home like owing money. Like, seriously, you should be, like, spending your money on vape gear, not on, because you vaped on Parliament. So we are going to adjust that. Um, We are working together with CDVQ. This is a team event. We are looking, if you own a shop in one of those areas, reach out to us. We're trying to build this this out to make it a true, our goal is to make it feel of what the vaping world is. We want them to see the camaraderie. See, David, I'm... English and I can't think of it. Like, like, camaraderie. You know, camaraderie. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. It's the Greek in me. Um, we want to we want people to understand that we're more than just we are fighting for our lives. And the best way to do that is show people. We will have some town halls, fingers crossed, that candidates, if the uh writ gets dropped, so that means the announcement of the election on August 16th, we are in a more powerful position to have people come out to have an opportunity. We're trying to create this. We need to make noise. And honestly, I just want to say this. I'm celebrating my 49th birthday in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Party. Like, this is how committed I am to the commitment that I've made to vaping is I'm celebrating it in Sherbrooke, Quebec, without Sherbrooke's great. Sherbrooke's great. You'll love it. Okay. Well, y'all can come out and let's have a birthday party. All I want is a cupcake and a candle. Not 49 candles. One candle is enough. So um, we, well, again, um, follow us. 
at Rights for Vapors and go to our website, rightsforvapors.com, sign up for the newsletter, you'll get informed. And hopefully if it works out, we'll be doing some live updates here with RegWatch when, whenever the timing works. But we will be doing uploading vlogs every day. And we are really trying to get that engagement both on, on the ground and in the cyber world. I think that's all we have right now that we're doing. Well, it's great, Maria. Well, it's lots. And thank you for that. So, David, last word to you then. Uh, last word, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, safeflavors.ca and um, MPs, liberal. I mean, we're coming for you. Uh, I, you know, we, we, we're not, we're not going to let Health Canada put policies that will kill people. I mean, this is this is uh, unconstitutional. I'm reading it again. I, you know, like it's just not right. I mean, let's just put it this way. Uh, so uh, we've sent a hundred thousand letters. Uh, that's not enough. Well, there's a tour bus coming your way, uh, and uh, we're turning turning it up. The pressure is on. I mean, we're going into an election. Well, get get ready because because we're not going down without a fight. And if we lose that fight, we're taking the legal route, and and it's not going to be pretty. So uh, that that's my final word. Excellent, David. Thank you, uh, Shy. To add to what David said, are you guys familiar with um, Michelle Rempel Garner, the conservative conservative party critic? Yeah. She is very supportive of vaping, apparently. So I'm just going to leave leave it with that. And Not I do want to say that. Sorry, go ahead. That's OK. No, sorry. Sorry. I was talking to myself. Sorry. I thought yeah. I was on mute. OK. So I do want to say that. Not everything House Canada has done is a miss. Like I said, I'm a proponent of the nicotine cap. I think that will bring positive change to the industry. But four out of five things are a miss, and that's a problem. And they need to speak to people that are inform informed about the, the topic and put people in charge that are also informed so people that aren't informed don't create uh, bad regulations. So with that, I, I will support what David said 100%. And if they do decide that they're going to have somebody that is uninformed creating regulations, then they're going to have a fight on their hands. Well, that's excellent. Well, thanks, Shai and Maria. Thank you, David. Thank you. And Luke, over on the other side of the screen there, thank you very much for coming on today. I'm going to uh, put this together likely tomorrow. It's not just a cleanup. I'm also going to do um, a little pass through to find some of the real golden sound bites from you all that will work as some short pieces that will also push out to Health Canada. So I'm just going to be a little bit deliberate on the release on this. And for everybody um, else, just to know, I'm actually going to be on vacation for about 10 days, starting um, next weekend of this week, really. Uh, that happens. And we're going to be releasing a series, our Whole Truth video series, which are short videos around two minutes long from the last couple of years. We have about 30 of them dealing with the teen so-called teen vaping epidemic in the valley and a bunch of stuff around the science and so forth and the efficacy of vaping products. And we've rebranded those as a whole truth message for Health Canada. There'll be three of them released every day while I'm gone, um, all on Twitter and Facebook with hashtags, 
going to Health Canada and a couple of the body part orgs. So if you do happen to see those, please do forward them, retweet them, do all the stuff and magic with them because for about 10 days, we're gonna be banging them over the head with some really good content. That's fantastic. Thank you, thank you, Brent for, uh, and Maria for having us and organizing this. You, the, the work you guys put in is, is tremendous uh, for, for Canadians uh, in general. Uh, and and oh, I don't think so people sweet. realize the fight that we're putting and the fight that you guys are putting out, important it is for generations. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I echo that statement. Did you, and, did uh, you get just choked the, up? Sorry, what was that? Did you get choked up? Oh, I got choked up. Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and also, too, as well, it's really important that people have been seeing this, and I don't have it up in this broadcast, but I will during the edit. Again, we have three supporters from our last stand coverage uh, that will be getting, you know, throughout this throughout this uh, um, episode, but it's been great. There was a group of about 30 or so businesses that really stepped up a couple of months ago to help fund our last stand coverage. And so I can't thank them all, but of course you've been seeing them over the course of the coverage and we'll be doing something special with regards to that a little bit later on, as soon as I'm back and we get into the election. So thank you very much everybody for coming on. I'm Brent Stafford and this has been in partnership with Rights for Vapors, the last stand special. <laughs>